The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. You are now listening to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, health heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. Today in the house, we have Coach Rebecca Wolf. Now, Coach Rebecca is one of our coaches here at Chemical Free Body. Uh, Been wanting her to come on for a long time, and we finally were able to make it happen. Uh, Today, we're going to be discussing a very important topic. We're going to be talking about eating disorders. Now, you guys might not realize this, but I mean, I, I mean, I guess I did being a coach. I mean, how big of a deal food is and addiction and all this stuff, but my God, it is a, it's like a, it's like a national crisis. I mean, that's what it is. Statistically, Rebecca, what percentage of people, and by the way, Rebecca, thank you for being here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Almost forgot about that part. (laughs) <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm really grateful that you're able to come on today because your story is amazing. Okay. It is amazing. It's inspirational. And, um, I, especially, you know, I would say for the women out there, especially the young women that are being so indoctrinated to fit into this perfect societal model of beauty and all that stuff, you are a shining example of what beauty truly is from the inside out. And, um, I just wanted to, uh, just say thank you for the example that you're setting for everybody else because you literally are one of the reasons why you're one of our best coaches is that our motto over here is change yourself change your world and that's what you've done you've changed yourself you changed your entire world and people around you and all these people that you're coaching so if anybody out there is listening that has an eating disorder or that um, knows somebody with an eating disorder and they want to give help I will go ahead and put a schedule I'm just going to put Rebecca's scheduling link in the show notes at the bottom so you guys can get right into her calendar and get a free uh, 30 minute consult with her to to talk about this and hopefully uh, move your life forward like she did. And and this has been, you know, five years or plus that she's been, um, you know, back to awesome. So anyway, Rebecca, thank you so much for um, being here and um, for the example that you set. Mm, Thank you so much. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Okay, so let's kind of blow the doors off this a little bit. What percentage of people are being reported that have eating disorders? About 10%. So 702 million people worldwide are just what's recorded. There's a lot of people who have eating disorders like myself um, that don't, that nobody knows that they have an eating disorder. It's a very secretive thing for a lot of people. Yeah. It's not like, Hey, um, I can't wait to tell everybody I have an eating disorder. (laughs) You know, it's, or it's like what you said earlier, like most people don't even know they have one. Yeah. A lot of people don't Mm -hmm, like, I, I would say that I was in that camp. You know, I ate myself to 42 pounds overweight. I ate myself into skin issues, destroying my gut from the inside out and then bleeding rectally when I pooped for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. I had no idea if you would have said you have an eating disorder, Tim, I would have been like, you're nuts. Like mm-hmm. you're, that doesn't even make sense. It's like, I got something else going on because mm-hmm. I went to the doctor and they didn't tell me that he just wanted me to take Prilosec or give me another type of pill, but different pills or creams to put on my skin issues. There was no talk about, Hey Tim, how are your emotions? 
What's your environment like? What's your family life like? What's what was it like growing up? Anything happened to you traumatic? Was there any deaths or did somebody beat you up or did you witness things that little kids probably shouldn't need to see nowadays? And um, so it's it's a pretty big problem. So if we're looking at 702 million people that's reported, um, I don't know about you, but my coaching practice, I would say probably nine out of 10 of us have some type of eating disorder at some level. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty much got all of us at some level. So um, mm. I just want to say that, my God, it's like for, for you guys listening out there, the health heroes around, around the world and stuff, listening to this, it's like, um, I don't say that. To, I don't want you to take offense like, oh, I don't have an eating disorder. I just want you to be open-minded and think about it because I've personally coached over 600 people and it's like almost everybody has some issues around this, around the food deal, Right. But it's not just the food. It's the emotional stuff that you might not even be able to see because you've never stopped to think about it. Nobody's sitting around there with open arms and an open heart and an open mind trying to help you discover what this stuff is. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to do today. We want to shed some light. We want Rebecca's story to be an inspiration for you. And then we want to help you if you're looking for that. So let's just jump into it, Rebecca. So you're in your early 20s. Um, you were dealing with bulimia. Why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners what bulimia is and what your life, what was a day in the life of Rebecca back in your early twenties? Well, bulimia is where you eat food and you throw it up afterwards. So a day for me was really just chasing my food addictions and then getting rid of the evidence afterwards. Just throwing it up. Mm-hmm. So how did you find out? How did you get, how does, how does one get started in bulimia? How did you get started? Well, you and I were just speaking about environment, I think yesterday and environment really is everything. Like if you grow up in a unhealthy environment, then usually you develop some sort of unhealthy thinking patterns surrounding that environment. So I had a roommate at the time who she was dancing And she, after work one day, went and got like this big old burger and she ate it. And next thing I know, I see her in the bathroom and she's throwing it up. And were you like, were you like, are you okay? Are you sick? Uh, I, I don't remember exactly how it went down, but I do know that I like obviously confronted her about it, but if there was really no, like to her, it was completely normal that she was doing that because for her she just knew that she needed to look a certain way in order to do the job that she was doing so it was completely like normalized so did she like show you she was like your uh bulimic mentor then in a way (laughs) if that's a thing (laughs) well i mean it's the environment right yeah what does she do she's just like oh yeah i do this all the time it's no big deal it's like i just i can eat whatever i want which that sounds good I mean, that's basically when you go to a doctor and you have health issues and the, and the doctor's like, yeah, just keep eating what you want and here, take this pill, right? Yeah, Let's not get to the root that. issues. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, Rebecca, like, and here you are. You're like, I was like, I'm freaking, I love food mm-hmm. and who doesn't? And all of a sudden you found a way that you could eat anything you want, anytime you want. And then an hour or two later, just throw it up and the evidence is gone and the waistline stays skinny and yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So how many times a day would you throw up? 
you know, I would vary based off of the day and I would assumed uh, how intense the cravings were and who knows just what I was dealing with emotionally in my life, but it would range from probably one to like five times a day. Whoa. And was there ever any concern for you about your health, about like the stomach acid coming up and eroding your, you know, your esophageal tube? I think that's one of those things that like, it's the same thing as like just eating terrible food in general. Like if you ate fast food on a regular basis, you know, deep down that there's going to be some consequence of some sort, whether it's even just like feeling terrible the next day or later in the day. Um, I think deep down, I knew that I was causing a lot of harm to my body, but that wasn't enough for just to get me to stop because that short term satisfaction was bigger than that long term detriment. Yeah. So it's almost like two things. Number one, you get to eat whatever you want, mm-hmm. but number two, and probably the, the, the deeper thing would be trying to fit into that perfect body, you know, mm-hmm. the Hollywood body, the skinny, big breasted girl with a nice butt and the guy that's got the big chest muscles and the big lats and the tight butt and looking really good and big thick legs. And, you know, and it's like that model, the, the perfect model that they try to get everybody to, to, and the reality is, is I coach a lot of these people or I have, and 90% of them are really unhappy, right? You get a snapshot image that's Photoshopped and all this, and you're trying to compare yourself to those people. So Rebecca, what would you say to people out there that, um, you know, are trying to fit into this societal image that feel that, that pressure to be the prettiest girl or the handsome guy they, they see on TV? Well, Tim, I actually feel really strongly about this because for me, that was such a deep conditioning that caused so much harm. So I would just tell people to focus more on how you feel and focus less on how you look and really just don't um, partake in the activities of like modern day um, entertainment, like Instagram, Facebook, you know, don't compare yourself to other people. That's probably the biggest one. Um, People are just comparing their lives to Instagram, which is really just a highlight reel. I mean, you see some people on there who are keeping it real, but for the most part, most people are just posting like their highlights and, you know, there's this huge obsession with the body that's going on and you'll see it a lot in all of these different fitness accounts. I mean, the, the amount of people who are making a living on Instagram now is like exponential compared to what it used to be. So you know, I would say just don't get so sucked into the social media thing and don't compare yourself to other people because we're all on different journeys and, you know, your process is going to look wildly different than someone else's process. So embrace what you're going through right now and trust in that process. Yeah, because if you're listening right now, that's a good point, because if you're listening right now and maybe you're bulimic or anorexic or you know, you're overweight or you're bleeding when you poop like I did and you have these, you know, you have health issues and you, you think there might be, you know, obviously food's one of the inputs to your system. Um, you can look back at this in the future and it can give you strength because this is like one of the sections of the, the gauntlet that you have to run in this life to build your character, right? And it really, it really decide, it really what's going to decide who you, who you really are is how you show up 
to these, to these struggles? You know, do you let it just overtake you or do you let it make you stronger? And we are resilient systems. We take a hit, we can come back stronger, come back stronger. And, and that's why I wanted to have you on because you took a big hit and you came back stronger. So what was it do you think besides all society and all that stuff, what was your environment like growing up as a child that, that kind of led you, do you think to, I think was another factor of you, you know, getting to a point where you literally would just eat and throw up every day. Mm -hmm. Well, I grew up in a drug environment um, and there was just a lot of violence, a lot of fighting, um, just a lot of unhappiness. Everybody, I believe, is addicted to something of some sort. And mm-hmm. um, for my family, for the most part, um, I don't think my mom was addicted to anything really at the time, except maybe church. <laughs> but um, uh, it was just a hostile environment. So that kind of pushed me into getting into the fitness industry because working out was like one of my only outlets and it was kind of an escape from my home life. Like I remember in high school, I used to go to the gym for three hours before school, three hours. And then I would spend another hour in school exercising. And I was like that person that was like, you know, they're shutting off the lights to the weight room and I'm still like going full speed on the treadmill. Like I'm not stopping. <laughs> like. And, well, yeah, but it kind of makes sense that you did this because your environment at home was terrible. It was hostile, like you said. Yeah. It you had family members doing, doing hard drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if those people in your life, like your dad and your brother or whatever, and they're the people that you love, because I mean, they're your family, yet mm-hmm. they're demonstrating the world how much they don't love themselves if they weren't loving themselves, I would imagine there probably wasn't a whole lot of love there left for you. Do you think that you felt like you weren't loved? Yeah, of course. I think to some degree, uh, so much of the world is struggling with like that core woundedness of not feeling loved because our parents weren't able to love us the way that we needed to be loved. Um, so yeah, I think there was a lot of that. Okay. So as a young woman, you're, you know, you're growing up, you're not feeling loved. You get into fitness and you, it's probably like it became a way. And I'm just thinking about this. I'm just going through my mind. It's like, like being a, when I was young and stuff like that, you know, trying to fit in, it's just like trying to wear the Nikes or Mm -hmm. wear the acid wash jeans and everybody else is doing it. You have, you're trying to have the body that everybody else wants and you're just, it's just, we're just a desperate cry. We're all just trying to be loved. And some of us are crying harder than others, basically in in our actions. Right. So you have like, it's like, it's just amazing to me that where you're at today and how, how far you've come and now you're helping other people um, heal themselves from these, these addictions and these, these, these food, um, these issues with, with food and um, these eating disorders, because like you literally had a terrible environment growing up even though I know, like you said, your mom was like the, she was like the anchor, right? Mm. Kind of tying everything down. I remember you telling me stories like she was like raising five freaking kids and working three jobs and dad was off and about doing his drugs. And, you know, so it's like, that's, that's probably good that you had her. Like, yeah, I, I just, I, I couldn't even imagine what like, it wasn't for mom being there. Right. Mm. But even with that, so you had your mom, so you had somebody to kind of, 
um, look at that was like doing, you know, trying to do good, but you had all this other stuff around. It was a mess. Um, you, you get older, you're working out, you, that becomes the new addiction. And, and then you just trying to get this ideal, perfect body, which led you to your roommate, the, the bulimia mentor, right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, and then you, then you just start, and this went on for five freaking years, mm-hmm. right? Five years. So it's, a, it's a long time. I, I just, it blows my mind. Like I, I, your story is like, cause I know there's other people I've, I've coached a few other people with bulimia and I, every time I think about it, see, for me, I think why I have a hard time relating to it is because I've tried to throw up like when I feel sick and I can't even do it. Like, I don't like to have things in my throat. I think it's because I'm like claustrophobic. That's why I don't like watches and rings and I don't want anything on me or something like that. So I think maybe I have some type of other phobia that I'm dealing with, (laughs) but I just can't believe that it's so prevalent today. And so many, especially young women are doing it. It's just, it's just unbelievable. So anyway, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get more into some of the reasons why people are doing this. And eventually we're going to show you guys um, some solutions to these eating disorders. We'll be right back. The average person today is carrying around 6 to 12 pounds of impacted fecal material and mucoid plaque in the small and large intestine. That's gross, but worse, it's super unhealthy. That is why we created Gut Detox Formula. This ancient 1,000-year-old formula from India gently micro-cleanses the intestines, removing all of that funk and gunk and junk that is destroying your health while leaving your good bacteria behind, which is part of your immune system. The best part, it is super gentle and there is no diarrhea like most gut detox products and it's made with the same chemical-free body promise, no stimulants, 100% nature and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up health heroes, Tim James here. I'm back with coach Rebecca Wolf. Uh, Rebecca, we've been talking about um, all kinds of eating disorders, uh, specifically in your case, you were dealing with bulimia. So, you know, there's a tremendous amount of people that have eating disorders. Way more of us don't even know we're, we're, we're dealing with eating disorders. We got them. And I want to go back to your story now. So here you are, this, this young woman, you grew up in a really toxic in home environment. Um, you bought into the societal conditioning that, you know, women got to be a certain way and a man's got to be a certain way. If you don't fit into that model, then, you know, you're not going to be happy. You're chasing that like literally on the treadmill as fast as a rabbit. I'm trying to stay in shape, which led you to bulimia where you actually eat something and throw it up. And this was happening one to five times a day for over five years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pretty remarkable. You didn't have a coach. I know you coach people through this now, but what did you do? Was this like just, it was like you got frustrated and you flipped the switch and you stopped cold turkey or was this a process? How did you stop being bulimic and get on your, uh, your pathway to health? Well, it was really, it was a very large process. It didn't just happen overnight where I just stopped doing it. It was me really becoming aware of the thoughts surrounding the behavior And then creating space between me and those thoughts. So not because before the way that a craving works is you all of a sudden you have this thought that comes in, which is like, I need a cookie or I want a cookie. And the craving literally pulls you to the cookie. So it was about being able to identify a thought and create space between me and the thought. And there's lots of different practices for that. Um, 
but wait a minute. So what what you're saying here for just talk to me, you know, simple redneck dude. Like you have a thought, like I want a cookie, and then usually the next thing is go get cookie, right? And you know, (laughs) I I I had this process. We've talked about it before. I don't know. It's been a while on the show, but I used to have an addiction with banana nut bread. Mm-hmm. like literally and i knew starbucks had it so i'd be driving down the road and i would see starbucks it would trigger that thought and i'm like mm-hmm. oh banana bread i would literally feel it tug me pull i like road rage cut through two lanes of traffic to get in the turn lane pull into McDo- or starbucks which is basically another version of mcdonald's with coffee and and then i would like go in there and i would get two banana nut loaves because somehow in my mind I, I knew that I would engulf one before I even got to the car. And my idea was I wanted to drive down the road with the banana nut loaf in my hand mm-hmm. and, and just drive with it and ha- have this enjoyable moment. Mm-hmm. But I was such an addict. I had so much pull towards it. I had to buy two because I knew I'd eat one before I got in the car so I could get to that point where I visualized myself eating it. And I know, I don't know if that sounds crazy to people, but that's what was going through my mind. It was like this blind leading the blind type thing right Mm -hmm. so what you're saying is when you say create space that means you actually have to stop the unconscious programming become Mm -hmm. very conscious before you go through traffic and go buy the nut loaf or go reach for that cookie so you have the thought of the cookie you have the thought of the banana nut loaf or whatever food it is you're going for and instead of just going you know in that pattern, that habitual pattern, when the subconscious mind takes over and you're going right to the refrigerator, you actually stopped and really started thinking about that food and the process. Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you learn? How did, how did you get that in- intelligence? Where did that come from? Um, well, I would say since I was probably 19, um, Buddhism really came into my life and Buddhism is kind of all about that. It's about Uh, creating awareness and being able to be the observer of your thoughts Mm. and that's where meditation really comes into hand because meditation is what creates space between you and your thoughts and so yeah meditation was huge for me and just buddhism in general and so instead of you think cookie and then you just drop into lotus position and start meditating (laughs) (laughs) no it didn't work that way that's where I said it like it was a it was a pretty long process to be able to completely stop doing it um at first it was kind of like something woke me up because I was going through a lot of like really big changes in my life uh before I completely stopped with the eating disorder I I had like this this moment where it felt like the lights turned on some people call it like a spiritual awakening but it was just this moment where i was deeply suffering with my partner at the time we were just fighting like mad and you know it's just one of those unexplained things that i just realized there's another way and you know call it spirit call it whatever you want it was a moment where something became conscious of itself and it was that that ultimately helped me stop the behavior around the eating disorder, because that's really what an eating disorder is. An eating disorder doesn't really have anything to do with the food itself. Like you and I were talking about this a couple of days ago about how food 
isn't actually addictive. Like, otherwise you can't explain why one person can eat one potato chip and one person eats the whole bag of potato chip. It's not the food itself that's addictive. It's the behavior and the thought processes around the food that creating the eating disorder. So, so wait a minute. So your did your boyfriend know that you were bulimic? He did not. Did he ever know? No. So you just, this was like, your little your little secret nobody knew yeah it was a total closet thing i mm. didn't tell anyone it was something that i was really ashamed of just the act itself i mean it's um so imagine know, what imagine what that did for oh man your self-worth mm-hmm. like every time you were throwing up yeah i mean really it did a lot just on a subconscious level right it was a huge disconnect from myself that I wasn't even aware of at the time like when that that moment happened where like the lights turned on that was a part of myself that I felt like had been dormant for a long time okay so you didn't just stop cold turkey this you had this you were in a rough relationship with your boyfriend you had this enlightenment moment and something changed for you and then it was a process of what, a couple of weeks, a couple of months before there was no more, you know, throwing up after you ate? I would say a couple of years. And of course, it was more and more spread out. It was every mm-hmm. once in a while that the, the thought would grab a hold or I would grab hold of the thought. But uh, it would be more and more spread out. And then eventually just the thought completely just stopped emerging. Did you have any support at all during this process? Yeah, her name was ayahuasca. <laughs> oh, oh, so you went to some plant, plant, plant medicine helped. Yeah, I did. And just like the whole environment of ayahuasca, to me that that provided enough space and just the community aspect and people showing up to help and hold space was what I needed to just do my own processing. I yeah. Yeah. So for those listening that are not familiar with ayahuasca, it's basically a plant medicine that originated in the jungles down out of South America, Peru area. And um, I actually, uh, thanks to Coach Wolf here, I was actually, she was with me on my first experience with ayahuasca. And man, ooh, I, uh, I had an amazing, amazing experience. Like I won't get into all of it. Actually, we'll, we'll save that for another episode because I actually recorded it. I was actually on the conspiracy farm, but I'm going to get that episode from those guys. We'll play it here on the health hero show. Um, just cause it was so powerful and profound. And, and what I, what I, when I, when I, I've been there, okay. I've been to the ayahuasca ceremony and you show up with a bunch of strangers and then two days later, you're, you're, you're leaving with your, your brothers and sisters. Like you feel super close with these people after going through and these people and then the the shaman or the shamans we had two shamans they're really creating that space and holding you so what i see when you say ayahuasca was my support system i totally get it because it wasn't just the plant that allowed you to shit get you know get cut through all that crap you know it's like having a machete going through a jungle and just getting to the light um so you could feel what that vibration is of you know knowing that you're perfect and just the way you are but you also had the people there supporting you and you didn't have that so much except for your mom. And she was always gone working in your family life and your boyfriend wasn't supporting you. So what you had was you found this little community, um, especially that shaman Rita, 
um, who was, you told me about, she's really awesome and she, she's really cool. Um, that they kind of became your support staff, right? So, you know, cause a lot of times you, God, just, just, just imagine if you would have had that, you know, some support system, how much easier it would have been for you to, to overcome this instead of trying to do it all by yourself. Yeah. It probably wouldn't have lasted five years. It probably would have been nipped in the butt a lot sooner if, mm-hmm. if it even developed at that point, because I think that a huge part of the reason why people develop eating disorders can be because they don't have any support or anyone to go to for like some of the deeper stuff that's happening before the eating disorder develops in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think this is a really integral point for those listening. Um, if you're dealing with an eating disorder, cause you, you know, you tuned in because the head, you know, the, whatever you call it, the headline of the show or whatever, or a friend sent this to you. Um, I also deal with a lot of um, uh, guys in the military with post-traumatic stress. They are either in denial, a lot of them, or they don't want to admit that they have these issues because then they feel like they're weak. And that's not the case. Okay. It was the military training that did it. Okay. As far as the bulimia goes, the anorexia, it was the societal training that did it. It was the poor environment that did it. it was, this is not something that you just said, Hey, I want to do this. Okay. This is something that you were a byproduct of a bad environment. So if you're listening, we really want you to reach out for support. And there are people here to help you, like Coach Rebecca. I guarantee you she would be tickled pink to help you um, uh, shed more awareness and light and help you through this process. I just, I just, I just know she would. Um, so, and we came up with some, some different ways too. So I guess that's the big thing was we, we want you to just to get some help right? And to seek help. That's really important. And to open up to somebody you can trust. And if you can't find somebody you can trust, you know, there's, there's books you can read, there's plant medicine, or you can get a coach. Okay. So, all right. So you've, um, you, you do, you do the ayahuasca and then what happens? You said it was a process of two years. How many times did you do ayahuasca? Did you go back to that? I did ayahuasca 11 times. So I did it quite a bit in a, in a year time span. Um, I did it about every other month. I met with a group of women and we sat. So really these, um, these, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, these people, the shamans and the people in, in the system, they were, they basically, they were your support system for, mm-hmm. for healing from bulimia. Yeah, part of it. I mean, a lot of it was um, books too. I mean, there's a lot of like, I call them my encouragers. They're the people that keep my mind kind of straight, you know, keep me on the path because it's easy to sway. It's easy to go and return back to our old conditioning. So I have, you know, a bookshelf of all these different encouragers that in any given moment, if I'm having... Um, any old thought processes arise and I'm feeling like I'm struggling or stressed, then I turn to one of those encouragers. And that's good. So let's do this. We'll take another break. And when we get back, I want you to share with the, with the listeners, some of these books, some of these encouragers, because this is a very simple thing that people can do in private. They don't have to share it with anybody. It's a step in the right direction to heal from these food addictions and these food disorders. We'll be right back.
Turmeric has been used for thousands of years all across India and Southeast Asia and is one of the best anti-inflammatory compounds on earth. Now you can get these incredible benefits with the new chemical-free body turmeric 100 liquid drops. This ethically sourced breakthrough solution absorbs over 100 times better than regular turmeric products, eliminating the need to add black pepper. Turmeric 100 helps against inflammation and pain and is made with the same chemical-free body promise. No stimulants, 100% natural, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Coach Rebecca Wolf, and we're talking everything about food disorders, eating disorders. And um, what we're going to do now is we're going to get into what Coach Wolf talks about her, her encouragers, what her encouragers are, and these are books. What I like about this, this part of the talk today is that a lot of people, like myself, when you recognize finally that you have an, an an eating disorder a lot of times you don't want to share it with people we talked about it in the last segment please reach out please get some help find a friend open up to somebody it's going to accelerate your healing process so fast it's going to make your head spin it's what you want don't feel shamed remember one out of ten people are reporting eating disorders and i would say as a coach and rebecca would concur it's probably nine out of 10 of us have some level of an eating disorder. So you're in a large camp. We're all dealing with it. Don't put your head in the sand, guys. Okay, don't bury your head in the sand like an ostrich. And, you know, come out and, and let's, let's move through this. Okay, let's move through this together. So Rebecca, why don't you share with us these encouragers, people that could, uh, these books, these people that are pretty darn wise. You've referred me to a lot of these. They've, they've been uh, impactful on my life. Who are your, just some of the encouragers that you'd recommend out of the gate? Um, well, I have a few books here. Uh, the first one I would share is Presence is Power. It's by Gooney Gunnarsson. Um, and he has a step-by-step um, on just how to live a life of prosperity rather than living from a state of lack, which I feel like is a huge thing. That's why America is all about buy more, buy more. You need this, you need this, want, want, want. Um, so it's really about learning to look at yourself and see yourself from a state of wholeness and prosperity. And um, another book that I have is I Am That. And this is what I would call like my spiritual Bible. It surpasses the body completely and really. Um, that one's but, pretty, that one's a high level it's who's that you know, what's the name of that guy years. what's the name of that guy that wrote that one nisargadatta maharaj it took me years before i was even able to really understand and absorb his teachings and i've even noticed now that like when i step away from it and i return to it after a long time of not touching it, it i'm kind of like it's a slower read as opposed to like if i'm reading this every single day um it just like flows right through me and i understand clearly what he's saying um, but this really is about like spiritual remembrance for me um remembering that we are spiritual beings and that we are so much more than this body mm. I, I feel like is a huge one because especially in our society there's such a strong obsession with ego and with this body and so being able to transcend that thinking is huge um, another book that i have here is being in love by osho and this now one that one I would highly recommend because it's damn good, 
and it's got big letters, <laughs> right? So it's, <laughs> it's an easier read. That was one of the first books I read. And my God, that helped me understand relationships. Yeah. And, and just like how we love and how we love with awareness and relate to people without fear, mm-hmm. which I feel like is really huge because there's so much fear going on and not enough love. Yes. So, and he, man, he just, he really lays it out in a really, um, just amazing way. I've read this book many times and I continue to go back to it time and time again. Yeah. It's a really um, good one. Mm-hmm. Another book that I have, and this would be the last one. Of course I have like hundreds, but these are <laughs> yeah. like a few of you my highlights. Too much on folks. Um, but perfect love in perfect relationships. This is a huge one because it's all about healing the wound of the heart. And, you know, it really just points the finger back on self and how, you know, how we relate with other people really is a reflection of our own inner world. And it just, it gets to the core in a way that just, I guess, in a different way than all the other books. Yeah. Perfect Love, Imperfect Relationships by John (laughs) Wellwood. I'm actually reading that book right now. And it's awesome. So out of what you shared, like if somebody's new and they're like, you know, read it at a fifth grade level, like uh, the health hero here, Tim, um, <laughs> I would probably start off with, that's actually a really good one. The perfect love and perfect relationships. Um, also the being in love one. That's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a whole different way of looking at things mm-hmm. uh, by Osho. Great book especially for people struggling in relationships, that one, I think, and a lot of it's relationship with self, obviously, that's what we're dealing here with eating disorders. Um, And then, you know, another book that I would say is um, the first one that you recommended to me uh, by Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. You remember that one? Or no, Power of Now. The Power of Now by Mm -hmm. Eckhart Tolle. That one is a really easy read too. And Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of like spiritual 101 for, for a lot of folks. And, you know, this stuff might not directly be like, okay, here's a step-by-step process on how to heal from your eating disorder, mm-hmm. but it, it addresses the underlying issues for the reason why you have it. So in a way it kind of is. Okay, Rebecca, why don't you get into what you call the four R's? So this is like a step-by-step process for people to actually start the healing process from the eating disorder. Okay. Um, Well, the four R's came to me through listening to this Buddhist mindfulness teacher named Pema Shadron. She has this talk on Audible called Getting Unstuck. And it's really about getting out of your stuckness. Because if you think about it, a lot of these different behavioral patterns that we find ourselves in, it creates this feeling of being stuck. So she created this talk and she ha- she has a very practical tool that she uses with her students and it's called the four R's and the four R's are number one to recognize mm-hmm. number two refrain number three relax and number four resolve so this is a process that you go through every single time let's say um, like me surrounding the eating disorder specifically, it would be the moment that the thoughts to purge food would arise. I would recognize that thought. And number two, I would refrain from doing anything. So I'm not going to go to the bathroom and throw out my food. And then number three, I would relax into the feeling. So like 
accept everything that I'm feeling in my body and to hold space so that I don't feel like I need to get rid of anything because that's really what it is. Like, you know, when you're bulimic and you eat food, you feel bad and you're like, I need to get rid of this because you feel that shame and that just that terrible feeling that arises when you eat food that you really don't want to be eating or you don't want to keep that in your body because it's like it goes against what you really want which is to look and feel good Mm -hmm. and so then number three would be to relax into the feeling and then number four would be to resolve so oftentimes resolve can be like in a personal relationship it can be like confronting your partner and talking about whatever it is that, you know, is pressing or something that, you know, maybe your partner said something that hurt your feelings and you move into a space of resolve. Um, With an eating disorder specifically, resolve for me was really just practicing self-compassion to love myself as I am and to understand that the body is constantly changing and that the goal isn't to be perfect and to embrace our humanness and... Wow. That's good stuff. It really is. So I like it because it's like, you know, obviously it worked for you. The four R's is easy to remember. Like, it's like, and this isn't just about like, when you think you're going to throw up, it could also be when you're getting ready to put the food in. Mm -hmm. Like for for me, like when I had, like, if I would have had the four R's when I was driving down the road, thinking about banana nut loaf, I would be like, okay, four R's, like recognize what's going on in my mind right now. Mm-hmm. knowing it's an old pattern. And then, you know, the, it's actually the first two steps of her, her thing is what these four hours is what you said earlier was, was like, when the thought arises to give it space, mm-hmm. that's kind of what it is. You're recognizing it. There's the awareness, you give it space, you refrain from actually doing it because now you're using your conscious mind. You're not just running off of that um, subconscious programming. And, and th- this is why it's so hard uh, guys listening is because your subconscious mind is literally, if you looked at it as a computer processor, it's a million times faster than the conscious mind. So it's like, whoo, it's quick. So this is why when you get into a car accident, your body actually releases chemicals into your body to shut down your conscious mind so that the subconscious processor will take over to save your butt because it's a million times faster, but it's also being used against us in our programming. So we have to be very conscious. I think that's probably the most that what you talked about that piece earlier about awareness and being conscious. That's like the first step, that awareness piece, what in her terms was recognize. Okay, recognize, be aware, be conscious. Okay. And then refrain, which is again being conscious. Right. Don't, don't, you don't need to that piece of cake right this second, or you don't need to go throw it up, you know, or um, and then just relax into that feeling and feel what it feels like to be okay with not running to the toilet or, you know, like me, like eating a whole banana nut loaf or zucchini bread, like, and then, and then being, and then shaming myself afterwards. Mm-hmm. Right. And then resolving it. Um, I'm still not clear on the resolve thing. So you, you said it was the word that struck me though, was compassion, like just being compassionate for yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Is that what it is? You just, you just, after you've relaxed into the feeling, then you just, then you just start thinking about resolving it through being compassionate to yourself and loving self. Is that what, was it, how, how, what do you mean? I I mean, you try to explain it to me. I just want to make sure that I'm saying the right thing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's different based off of the situation. So this tool can be obviously used in multiple areas of your life, but in terms of the food, like the eating disorder specifically, 
yeah, for me, resolve was really just about practicing self-compassion. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for, for coming on today. We really appreciate your time. Um, what you've shared has been very valuable for the listeners. And I hope that those listening will um, share this message, um, share this, share this podcast, especially if you know somebody that has an eating disorder um, or has struggled with it. Um, we want to be there to help people. And I know coach Rebecca will, wants to do that too. So what we'll do is I'll put a link um, down below actually to your, to your schedule. So people can just book a free consult with you and, um, and they can start moving forward to a path to a healthier, happier life. So Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me on. You know, my, 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 my pleasure. It was, uh, it was awesome having you here and um, health heroes around the world. Thank you so much for tuning in until next time, change yourself, change your world. And I'll see you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening again to the Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world. And we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. (laughs) 